0: AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Forty percent of edible food in this country is being lost or tossed. Yet one in six people are going hungry. Food waste is a big problem. At its fourth annual Thought Leadership event, Charleston Orwig got people talking. And we'd like you to join the conversation at charlestonorwig.com forward slash CO event. And now AgriPulse, Open Mic. Ambassador Moore, thank you very much for being with us as our guest on AgriPulse, Open Mic.
1: Pleasure to be with you.
0: I'd like we'll to be- talk about trade if I could, and first of all, to begin with your island nation of New Zealand it appears you have resources that exceed your population and despite the distances from markets you have been able to export your agricultural products around the world as a source of wealth I just wonder if I've overstated the importance of exporting as a contributor to your New Zealand economy.
1: No I don't think you have Um, we are are very successful in some product lines other areas of agriculture we
0: shouldn't go near
1: but we start off as a colony of the United Kingdom supplying um, uh, sheep meat, well, and then refrigeration was discovered, which was very helpful, uh, wool, sheep, meat, dairy. And um, for a generation, when I was born, 90% went to England. The Brits then joined the European community, and uh, now we send more to the Middle East, and we've diversified somewhat. You know, we're about the size of Colorado, Um, four and a half million people about half our land we can use because we're very mountainous Uh, but uh, America is the world's biggest agricultural exporter Uh, you're the biggest in most product lines Uh, we specialise in some lines Uh, we're strong uh, in sheep meat, we're strong in dairy but there's more to that to New Zealand than that by the way we make more money out of selling super yachts than we do out of Wine, which is we're very good at, um, and uh, you know we do a billion dollars in medical IT and that sort of thing. So we're very diversified uh, in terms of our technical ability. Our farmers are all graduates. Um, you know, there's lots of family farms, of course. That's the basic model, um, but because of our distance from markets and high costs, high social wage. Um, you know, uh, almost Nordic in terms of our public uh, works and things and education and health, that we have to be very efficient. In my day as minister, I needed 500 cows to make the same amount of money an Irishman would make with 12 cows. Um, So you've got to be good at what you do. But America's very good. I mean, um, uh, uh, your agriculture is stunning. you, You know, we can feed about 25, 30 million people you can, you can feed more than that throughout the world. But here's a basic core issue. Um, you know, 95% of all consumers live outside the United States. 80% of the world's purchasing power is outside the United States. 92% of world growth will come from outside the United States. So your leadership... And people in D.C. are looking at how you grow your exports. That's where your future wealth will be, as it has always been for ours.
0: Ambassador, I wonder if I could ask you about your country, though. We are very interested in the progressiveness. Uh, you ended farm subsidies abruptly. As you look back at it, was that a good move?
1: Oh, absolutely. We were in a crazy situation. We were subsidizing sheep. So you put them in money into the meat works, And turn them out the other end uh, as fertilizer. We had 90 million sheep. We removed the subsidies. We're now down to 30 million sheep, and we're making more money because the subsidies meant uh, the skinny of the sheep. (laughs) We call it the skinny sheep policy. That you got money for each sheep. Now, uh, in those days, uh, when the ewe was lambing, you got twins. That was unusual. Now it's the pattern. And so, processing, adding value, was was the way to go. And the same. um, We have an open, competitive. Uh, dairy industry, um, and while well, we have a dominant supplier. Uh, but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's how we went. We, we were in a corner. We had a debt that would make an Argentinian blush. Uh, our deficit was double figures, and uh, we could not print money. We had to work our way out of it, and it was extremely hard. I'll give you what we moved to do. We have um, Forbes say we're the best country in the world to do business. The most efficient in terms of registering a company, etc. Will banks is safest place to invest. Transparency International says least corrupt country. Heritage Foundation most open, uh, well uh, about fourth in economic freedom, most open economy alongside Singapore and Hong Kong. So we get that, but we're doing this because we know we have no choice. We could no longer subsidise our way out of all this, um, and so without you no know, death duties capital gains um, and um, goods and services, VAT tax, all those things happened in the 80s. I can't say it was popular, it was unpopular. But I can say we were stunned that the farmers um, uh, responded in such a dramatic fashion. So you got all these boutique... um, We try things that um, sometimes don't work. We went crazy for Little Island llamas. Uh, Guys are doing very well out of uh, deer farming, this sort of stuff. Uh, but the fisheries, forestry, but all of the stuff we do is very high-tech now.
0: You are a past uh, Director General for the WTO, and you launched the Doha Round, and you saw the ascension of China during your term. Now we look at China as this uh, big market, and I wonder how you relate to the competition to be able to get into that Chinese market today.
1: China's done. We've lifted in 20 years 400, 500 million people out of extreme poverty. Uh, As a growing consumer market, there was more than 100 new millionaires every day created in China. You're sawing eyes. Without China, you'd be in deep trouble. So it's in all our interest that China grow and be successful. Um, In the Doha round, uh, there are certain product lines. As you know, Doha round is really gone flat, which would be very good for the US and for New Zealand. New Zealand and the US are on the same page on many issues with agriculture, whether there are some of the new issues. Um, but, uh, you know, China is what it is. Um, we've done very well as a country out of China. Mind you, we don't have some of the problems you have with intellectual property and that. We've got a free trade arrangement with China, Taiwan and Hong Kong and it is going gangbusters. But essentially, in our region, New Zealanders, Vietnamese, all of us want to see America in the game and to do a deal with them.
0: May I ask you about um, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that it appears to have support by many uh, importing and exporting countries on the Pacific Rim. And I wonder if you believe this type of trade agreement will benefit New Zealand.
1: I do, but I think it will benefit America as well. Now we go back to China. Well, we're getting growth um, in our dairy trade. You are getting more growth to America. I think it's four to, four to one. You, in terms of your dairy increases of exports, your dairy producers are doing extremely well on China in China and the emerging markets. Now go to TPP. Of course, there's huge advantages to America here. Your trade explodes where you have free trade arrangements, and you don't have free trade arrangements with many countries in our region. So this is the wisdom of your leadership. What a TPP is Japan, Vietnam, Malaysia, Brunei, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, Peru, Mexico, your good selves, and Canada. This is 40% of the world. And if we get this right and have an ambitious no-exemptions deal... Um, uh, this can, will expand to take in other countries in the region eventually and hopefully uh, work out as a model to give some, put some gas in the tank for the Doha round.
0: One of the things you have not uh, mentioned in that list, of course, is Europe. You're a veteran of uh, the diplomacy of trade. Uh, do you think we should focus on expanding markets into the European countries or step away from them because of the roadblocks they're placing in our way?
1: Well, you got um, uh, I've spent half my life uh, working against the common agricultural policy in Europe. Yeah, as I said earlier, 90% of what we produced when I was a boy went to England. Now we're doing more in the Middle East and North Africa. But your guys are smart. What you're doing at the moment, if you've got 40% of the world's business locked, you're negotiating on, on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. In parallel to that, you're beginning a negotiation in U.S.-Europe. This is going to be real hard because of all sorts of European impediments um, with the Common Agricultural Policy. But we, you know, you, you're, people have been open about your strategy. Your strategy is to get TPP done because it's ripe, it's ready to go, and lever that up against the Europeans. And the Europeans are very anxious about being left out. If I could give you uh, some, a couple of figures that your listeners uh, will be stunned to hear, because I only learnt them recently, Take Mexico, for every dollar Mexico exports anywhere in the world, 40 cents of that dollar is an American input. So we're now talking about supply chains in a way we didn't talk about in my day. Um, And if I go back to the advantages of getting into the Canadian market, uh, in Canada you're up against 250% tariffs. For your yogurt, you guys are producing the best and fastest-growing yogurt in the companies in the world, billion-dollar enterprises, several of them. You're trying to get in Japan, as uh, so your dairy is up to 600% tariffs in certain lines. So, for the first time, uh, uh, this is new that your dairy people are saying, if this deal goes through, comprehensive, no exemptions, Canada and Japan, uh, the dairy, your dairy guys, will do the best of any. Agricultural group um, and your dairy industry is very good. The thing is, it varies. There are places where you've got 10,000 cows, and there's places where you've got a couple of hippies and 200 cows. It doesn't quite line up. Um, but overall, you win, you win, you win. Uh, we'll get a bit of it, but you'll get most of it. We account for less, or oh, about 1% of your dairy consumption. We're hardly the threat. Although I like people saying New Zealand's a threat, I wish we were. Uh, We are not.
0: Mr. Uh, Ambassador, may I turn to one last question. You mentioned the WTO and uh, the Doha round and you said just briefly that it was flat. I wonder if you would comment on what you think the future of WTO type of trade negotiations might be.
1: Well, I'm heartbroken because I thought in the Doha development round there was enough in it uh, some years ago to be a big deal for developing countries and for agricultural producers. We got this trade round up, uh, US, New Zealand and a few others, by making agriculture a developmental issue which put it inside the developing countries. Uh, There has to be a future for multilateralism. Uh, This is uh, an idea that was born out of the dangers. um, We suffered in the Great Depression, uh, and multilateralism uh, is really the preferred way. Um, What I'd hope would happen, we get a successful TPP, This provides a model and impetus to go back to Geneva and maybe the WTO. Maybe there'll be a great convergence in four or five years where we bring these trade deals together and pop them back into the WTO where they should be. Um, This is a very precious thing. The WTO still provides the mechanism for dispute settlement, which is very profound. You know, the headlines are all wrong when you see a dispute. Boeing versus Airbus, trade war breaks out then you read the next paragraph, it actually says peace breaks out, they've gone to the WTO, they're going through a negotiation and a panel to handle a dispute rather than a trade war. So this is the most precious, one of the more precious things that was born out of the terrible experiences of the Great Depression and the war. So you know, I'm optimistic it will stay. I just hope that TPP and a few other things we do together, this can be a new model to get, get some gas in the tank. And we do need Uh, in this new model we're talking about, to look at things like SOEs, because in the future we're going to have to negotiate uh, with countries where the state-owned enterprise model can, to be polite, cause commercial confusion. And so we've all got an interest in handling these new issues. And there's big new issues on intellectual property, on data flows, on all these things that are so important to your economy beyond agriculture. But it is agriculture because you're scientists, you're high-tech farmers. You know, you're not low-wage farmers. Neither are we. we. We don't get wealthy, America or New Zealand, by paying somebody a dollar an hour. We get wealthy by being productive.
0: Ambassador, oh. thank you very much for being okay. our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic for your insight and your colorful comments, and we wish you well, sir.
1: Okay, good luck to the farmers.
0: <laughs> AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by Charleston Orwig. Visit their Thought Leadership event at charlestonorwig.com forward slash CO event. I'm Ken Root.